I have had the distinct privilege in my life up to this point to have been in some of the world's most iconic church buildings and cathedrals. I mean, I've had the privilege of being in St. Paul's Cathedral, which is in downtown London. I've been to Trinity Church, that building in, in New York City. I've been to the Sistine Chapel in Vatican City in, in Italy. And my, my favorite, hands down, was being able to be in Notre Dame in Paris and just walking around and seeing the age and the artwork that went into all of those, but especially Notre Dame. Just love those spaces. It, locally, I, I've been able to be in uh, another space that I think is pretty special too, and that's the Trappist Abbey over in Lafayette. And you may be wondering, like, why are you like being in these spaces? It's a good question. Well, part of it is just stepping into those places, it's almost like my breathing stops. It's like everything slows down and it, 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 something overwhelms me. I, I don't even want to like speak. To me, in those places, speaking almost seems profane. And what I feel like doing, I just feel compelled to get on my knees and just take in the awe and, and, and revelry of being in there and, and letting the silence just uh, overwhelm me. Now, we know that there are some sacred spaces in life. There are sacred places on earth. And for you, it may not be a church building or a cathedral, but it might be the woods. Or maybe it's that special place on the beach that you like to go to. Or it could be maybe a childhood you know, memory or, or the place where you grew up. These sacred spaces, they speak to us. And we know they have power. They have weight over us sometimes. It's like we just know something special is going on there. And we may not even be able to, you know, say why. I think about this often because we have uh, moments in life that forever change us. And places sometimes are connected to those, those, those memories and those, those moments. Think about this. Think about all the people that every year they'll make a special point of traveling to, to sacred spaces. I mean, people go to the Holy Land every year, go to see ancient Israel, or they go to Mecca or other places like that. We know that these, these places are special. Today, we're continuing our series, In Him So We. And we've been exploring all that humanity was offered by God through His Son, Jesus. And, and literally, that we've been given everything. And our key verse for this series is found in Colossians chapter one, verse 16 and 17. I just wanna recap verse 17 for you one more time. And he, that is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we've been in the series exploring all those wonderful things that God offered to us uh, through Jesus. And today is the third message in the series, and we're talking about this idea of sacred places, or maybe we could put it another way, holy places, and holiness as, as an idea. And so we're gonna be talking about that today. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm so glad you joined us uh, online today. Whether you're a regular with Dallas Church or you're brand new, just wanna welcome you. I believe God's gonna speak powerfully to all of our hearts through this time. And uh, if you are new, we'd love to hear from you. 
Love to even pray over some things that maybe you'd like us to pray over. Use those chat features or reach out to us on direct message through Facebook Live or however you're, however you're tuning in today, and we'd love to interact with you. Uh, but today we're, we're, we're looking at uh, specifically, in Him so we are made holy. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and we just ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to all of our hearts as we lean into this idea of, of what is sacred and what is holy. And Father, we recognize that you are holy. And so we come before you with, with humility, but also, Lord, we come before you with confidence knowing that you love us more than we could possibly imagine. So Lord, speak to our hearts today about holiness. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, the scriptures reveal who God is and all of his attributes. And you could you know, start listing all the attributes of God that we see. I mean, certainly the pages of scripture open with his immense creativity, his power. He can speak things into existence. I mean, he's everywhere at once. You no, know? he's all knowing and he's love and he's light. We learn all of these things as we go through the scriptures, but probably the most important attribute of God is his holiness. That there is something different, wholly different about the God of the universe, the God who formed us, the God who made everything. The idea of holiness is different, set apart, special. You know, he is sacred. And God is really the embodiment of what we know of as holiness. Uh, he's the one set apart. And when he is near, not only do we as humans feel it, and when his presence comes near, there's some power that we sense. And we'll look at some illustrations from the scriptures, but when God's presence comes near, his holiness has a weight to it. And it can even make the space near feel holy and sacred and special. I think of you know, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and they're doing the work God called them to do. He, he, he formed them and they're, uh, they're about his work and his presence was with them, like literally with them. Uh, the scriptures say that they walked together in the garden and there was a special friendship that happened there. God's presence literally was walking with them. And then in chapter three, we know that there was a mistake that happened, a, a tremendous mistake. A, a mistake that ended their, their, their freedom to be in the garden. And they were, they were cast out of the garden because of their disobedience to God. And they felt the weight of that absence. I think of Moses. Moses, uh, this is many, 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 <laughs> probably thousands of years later, you have Moses and he is a leader that God uses to bring the people out of Egypt, the Hebrew people. We talked about that a little bit uh, last time, but Moses, he, he's in the kind of a wilderness area, maybe a desert, I'm not sure, but he encounters God for the first time in a bush that is burning but doesn't burn up. And the Lord speaks to him through that bush and, and basically says, hey, Moses, uh, you need to take off your sandals. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. Just that presence of God's uh, holiness right there made that burning bush and that ground there holy. And Moses had to take off his his sandals. Later, we, we see Moses leading the people out of Egypt toward the promised land. And, and uh, there's all kinds of things that happen on that journey to the promised land. 
But there was moments where God wanted to speak to the people and they were on uh, near this, this Mount, Mount Sinai. And, and uh, God came near, his presence came near. And the scriptures tell us like the earth shook and there was kind of like this shock and awe that happened and the people were afraid. And so they said, Moses, you go speak for us to God up on the mountain. And so Moses does that. And every time he's in God's presence, in those moments he comes down and there's so much light radiating, radiating off of him that eventually they had to put a veil over him just because of the light that, that kind of rubbed off on him from being near the presence of true holiness, of God Almighty. I, can't, I, I would love to have seen that. You know, later the nation of Israel would have the, a place of worship. It was uh, called a, temp, or a tabernacle first, and then later they, they built an actual physical temple. But, but God's presence would fill those spaces and it would, it would make an impact on everybody around. You could just tell God's presence was near and it made things holy. Now later in the New Testament part of the Bible, and now we get into the first century and some of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, James, and John, they were with him one time and they went for a, a little hike up on a mountain. And when they got to the top, the scriptures tell us that Jesus was in a way transfigured or sort of transformed and they got to, to kind of see a glimpse of his actual nature, his true nature as, as almighty God. And, and there was incredible bright light and they were taken aback. And, and I would imagine that walk down the, the hill must have been something for those three, that they witnessed something holy and powerful. God's presence was near. And it wasn't, again, the, the mountain or, or the tabernacle or, or temple building. It wasn't the ground beside the bush. It wasn't the bush. It was God's presence and his nearness that made it holy. And all that shock and awe and, his, and the light that you see is just, is just, just a glimmer of the power and, and true nature and presence of God. When his holiness comes near, it's powerful. Now, here's the good news. Why am I talking about all this? Well, Here's what's amazing. God wants us to partake in his holiness. Like what? God wants us to, to have a part in it, to, 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 to share in his glory and to share in his holiness. And Christ followers get to have that privilege. And we get to have that both now and not yet. Now, in talking about holiness, there are two big words that we need to talk about. And they're, they're $5 Bible words, multi-syllable, probably words you don't use a whole lot, but there are two words that I want to talk about. The first one is justification, and the second one is sanctification. Now, they, they kind of sound similar as they end, but they're very different ideas. Uh, justify, let's talk about justification first. Justification is the sense of being justified, that when Christ did his work and we by faith accept that, accept him as our Lord and Savior, we are made righteous. We're made just. We are justified. And that's a, like a moment in time. We went from being unjustified to justified. And we're brought in that sense into a right relationship with God, something that was lost back in that garden with Adam and Eve when they made that decision to disobey God. So there's a sense of being brought back into a right relationship. I encourage you, if you want to learn more about that, and we don't have 
all kinds of time online together today, but I'd encourage you sometime this week, look up Romans chapter five. It's a part of the New Testament, probably arguably one of the greatest pieces of, of work in the New Testament part of our Bible. Look at Romans chapter five, and there's a great discussion on what this idea of justified it means. But that's the first term, justified. We are made righteous, declared righteous by God through faith in Jesus. The second term is sanctification. Sanctification is a little different. Sanctification is this idea that we're, we're in the process of, of being made holy. Uh, in other words, we're following and obeying Jesus and we're learning the ways of the kingdom. And so that's a process of being made holy. As we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we begin to conform more and more to the likeness of Jesus. In that sense, we're being, again, in a process of being made holy. So we're justified by faith in Jesus. And then as a follower of Jesus, we learn the ways. And that's the sanctification part, the process of being made holy. And that's where we begin to produce fruit. Now we're gonna talk more about that next time. I hope you can be there with us next time. But we're gonna talk about the idea of what a fruitful life is all about in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So justification and sanctification, and both of those are involved in this idea of holy. Now, I just gotta ask, because I don't think we talk about this very often. What, it, what is holy to you? What do you see as holy? And let, let me take it a step further. Do you consider yourself holy? Now that seems like, oh, Ben, why are you asking that question? Even for us who follow Jesus, we tend to reserve the idea of holiness, again, just for God. Yeah, that's, that's, that's God's space, not our space. Uh, we wouldn't look ourselves as, as, as holy. But that reveals a problem, I think. And that's really what I want to speak to today. It reveals a problem, especially for followers of Christ. And, and again, there may be many that, that are still you know, not sure about whether you're going to follow Jesus or not with us today, and that's fine. I, God has decided that you're even taking a step, and I encourage you to keep taking steps uh, uh, toward him. But those of us who have, who, who've made a decision to follow Jesus, this, this process of holiness is super, super important. And again, we don't talk about it very often, but the deal is, in our culture, we have tended to replace the pursuit of holiness with another word, happiness that we've kind of done this great exchange and it's a horrible mistake. We've exchanged this pursuit of holiness with happiness. Why is that a mistake? Well, the pursuit of happiness over holiness is an illusion. It's a choice that eventually hurts and destroys us. And I realize in our nation and in our founding documents where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's an illusion. Happiness is an idol. It's an idol. We don't talk about idols very often anymore, do we? But happiness is an idol. It makes us focus on ourselves and how we're feeling in the moment. But we know this. Moments change, people change, circumstances change. Happiness is fleeting. It's temporary. And chasing it will warp us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to warp you. If we're just chasing happiness instead of holiness, it's going to warp us. Happiness can even destroy relationships. You've probably seen it in your life way too often. Because what happens in, in relationships, if we're just seeking happy, and, and that's the, the, the primary thing we're looking for, well, that pits your happiness versus my happiness. And therein lies the conflict. You see, if someone or something doesn't make us happy anymore, what do we do? Bye, bye, bye. 
Happiness is illusion. It's an illusion, and it will destroy and warp us. Jesus shows us a different route altogether. He lived a holy life. He never, never sinned. And he chose to not only live that holy life, but to give his holy life for you and I. And he chose the cross. The, the scriptures tell us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He chose the cross and to live holy because you know what he wanted to do? At the end of the day, he wanted to make us holy. He wanted to make you and I holy. The cross didn't make him happy. The death doesn't make anybody happy. But the cross was a way to, to not only declare you and I holy, that's justified, but to make us holy, that's sanctified. You see how the two work together? His life, death, burial, resurrection offered us a way to be holy as he is holy. So boy, today, if you've never made Jesus Savior of your life, please say yes. He wants so much for you and he wants so much for me. And he wants to make us holy. He wants to declare us holy and move us along in that process of holiness to produce fruit. I love what John Piper said. John Piper's a preacher and written a lot of different things. And he wrote this regarding chasing happiness over holiness. Listen to this. Sin is a temporary illusion of happiness outside of God. Ephesians 4.22 tells us to put off the old self that's full of deceitful desires and choose the process of becoming holy for holy desire. Holiness is the newness of the human heart. Sanctification is precisely the divine work by which we are weaned off. We're weaned off the pleasures of the world and onto the pleasures of God. Holiness is the condition of the heart where God is our greatest happiness. Isn't that cool? In, in Hebrews 12, it's another part of the scripture in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about God's heart in this process of holiness. And he actually wants to grow us up in holiness. Because he knows that in the process of holiness, that's gonna, that's gonna yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness that he wants all of us to produce in our life. Again, we'll talk about that next time. But listen closely to verse 14 of chapter 12 of Hebrews. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness with, without which no one will see the Lord. Let me say that again. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See, it's that process he wants to grow us up in. By abiding in Christ, you know, getting connected to him, and through holy training, we're made sanctified, we're made holy. John Piper finished his thought there by saying this, the goal of holiness is supreme pleasure in God breaking all the fleeting pleasures of sin. I want that. I hope you want that too. The question is, is this, it's for all of us. What if God is more concerned with your holiness than happiness? What if God wants to make you holy rather than just happy? I mean, rather than just temporary moments of happy, maybe God is working to make us holy in Christ. And he is. Through faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit works to sanctify you and I by confronting things like our selfishness. You know, he wants to hone our character. And he's teaching you and I 
that follow Jesus, to listen instead of shout, to, to be gentle instead of harsh when circumstances or people go sideways on us. And here's my only point today, and this is so crucial. God is calling you and I in Christ to pursue holy over happy. And I think God will provide us both, honestly. He's gonna provide that real joy that's not just temporary. So pursue holy over happy. Thankfully, look, I'm thankful that God doesn't give up on us when we don't make him happy. That'd be horrible. Happiness isn't the goal. Happiness was never the goal. And as I said at the beginning, holiness beats happiness every time, hands down. Holiness beats happiness every time. So let us be holy as he is holy. God wants us to pursue him and to seek him daily, seek his kingdom and his righteousness daily. So how, Ben? All right, how? Well, first of all, again, if you've never said yes to Jesus, today's the day. That's your starting point. You say, yes, I want to be all in. Uh, and, and it's very easy. You, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, that, that he's your Savior, and you take him as your Lord and Savior. You, you repent of your sin. Instead of going your direction, you go Jesus' direction and start following him. You confess it before the world that he's your Savior and you need him. And you're baptized into Christ. You're buried in the water and risen out of, out of the water for new life. And then you begin to live as a Christ follower. And, and now you're justified, right? Declared righteous. And then you pursue sanctification, being in the process of being made holy. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, here's the next thing. This is what we do. This is what Christ followers do. We spend time daily in prayer and in scripture. We absorb the scriptures. We pray every day, absorbing more and more of Jesus in our life. And, and, and then we're in community with the followers of Jesus. I realize we're in this online situation right now, but this is still important. This is still our rhythm. And we're going to take communion here in a little bit. That's still our rhythm. Being part of a community of faith, being part of the followers of Jesus is crucial. Being part of a church is essential for growing in that holiness, for producing fruit, because we can help each other. Oh, we can help each other. And we can pool together to show, show God's love to the people around us in our community. And then finally, we're engaging in the mission. We're engaging in the mission of love to one another. So if you're a Christ follower listening today, part of the process of your holiness, my holiness, is to reach out to neighbors and people that are more vulnerable and actually show Jesus to other people. I'm gonna deliver some, some groceries to a, an older couple this today. And that's just a small way that we can begin to build the holiness in our life. So I wanna pray. Would you pray with me now as we close? Father, we come before you. We thank you that you love us. And that, Father... You're not just so worried about our happiness, which is so temporary. You're, you're, you're aiming to make us holy. And through Jesus, your son, that's all possible. So Father, I pray for everyone listening right now that we would get rid of this idea of, of, of happiness and that we would realize that holiness beats hap happiness every time, hands down. So Father, we pray for, the, for your, your power to encourage us all to pursue being made holy. And Father, I pray for those who have never made that decision today, that today would be the day that they would say yes to your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.